0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video. Online at fellowshipgj.com Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. God, we praise you. We praise you for what this week is all about. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us as we walk through each day of this week, that we would just be reminded. We'd be reminded about what Christmas is really all about. We wouldn't be distracted by what culture pushes during this time of year, but we would remember this is a celebration of you. We lift you up, Jesus. We know that you're the one that came. You're the one that died for us. You're the one that lived a life, blameless life here that we might have eternal life with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Because that's what this is all about. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us in this service. Thank you that we felt felt your presence here with us. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do through this holiday season. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a praise offering. He so deserves it. He's so good to us. And as you guys are making your way to your seats, show yourself friendly this morning. It is Christmas week. Get to know some people maybe around you. And if you're watching online with us this morning, thank you so much for being a part of our services. We know that you could watch a lot of different services on Sunday morning. We thank you for being a part of ours. You are a part of our family uh, and know that. And if you're watching online, know that you can register as a guest. And if you're watching here uh, live with us, if you're here with us in the services today, we'd love to have a record of you being here. Super simple to register. You just text the word fellowship to 94000, whether you're here or at home, and you'll be given a a link to some more information about Fellowship Church. Also, if you're here with us live, you can always swing by the information counter, fill out a visitor's card when you do that. We'll give you a free uh, complimentary drink to our coffee shop for you and everybody in your visiting uh, party So thank you so much for being a part of our services uh, today. Also, it's time for us to worship with a giving of tithes and offerings. We've been worshiping him with music. Now we're gonna worship with tithes and offerings. I know that many of you for the holiday season, you wanna bring a gift to Jesus. It's his birthday after all. It'd be kind of silly for us to give ber- uh, birthday presents to each other for his birthday, but not give him one. So for many of you, uh, you ask each year, when do I need to get my taxable giving in uh, so that I get credit for that for 2022? Just make sure that it is in uh, before the 31st also uh, if you'll make sure that it's uh, uh, the 30th right is there 30 days in January 31 you don't know either please (laughs) (laughs) 31 there's 31 thank you thank you so just have that in before the 31st Uh, of course we'll have our Christmas Eve service you can give your Christmas gift at that time to Jesus as well but as you get ready to give let me just say a prayer of blessing over you Lord we love you Thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you, Lord, for every blessing you've given us. Thank you for the year that you have brought us through, Lord, and brought us through successfully. I pray, Lord, that we would never forget the way that you come through for us financially and the blessings of our life. And we're just gonna stay faithful in giving back to you of our tithes and for many of us an offering today uh, for Christmas. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Let everything that comes in be sufficient for your needs, your church's needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Uh, as you do, just a few announcements. First of all, Christmas Eve services are at what time this year? Good job. One and three on Saturday. And that will actually be our weekend service. So we won't have services on Sunday. That will count as our weekend services. So please make plans to be a part of one of those services. We have invitation cards that are back at the information counter. If you own a business or if you'd like to invite some, uh, one to our Christmas Eve service, we have plenty of these back there. So you grab as many as you want. You invite as many people as you want, uh, especially if you're wanting, if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And we're going to have a special time in that service. We're going to have an opportunity to say the sinner's prayer and have an opportunity to be saved. So make sure you invite um, those that you love to our services this week. Have a full children's ministry for both of those services. And then on New Year's Day, we will have one you service at 11. So... We ask, it's the first day of the year. It's the first day of 2023. So regardless of how crazy the night before was, because I know sometimes we stay up late and all that kind of stuff. That's why we're doing an 11 o'clock service. So you can make it to 11 o'clock. We will have a full children's ministry at that time as well. Uh, But we, we hope that we just pack out that first day of 2023 as just a dedication of that year to the Lord. So make sure you make plans to be a part of that as well. And here's a few other things that are happening here at Fellowship.
1: Just in time for Christmas, we have brand new Fellowship Church merchandise. We are selling five different styles of t-shirts, this being just one of them. Each t-shirt costs $15, and they are for sale over in the bookstore. So after service, go check them out. On Wednesday, January 11th, we are beginning our Divorce Care Group. You can buy all of the materials that will be needed for this course in the bookstore. And just know it is a great opportunity to get together with some people who are in the same stage of life, who want to grow together, but also get some healing for past hurts. Please sign up on the Church Center app. We are so excited to begin a new round of Our Rooted Group on Sunday, January 22nd during the nine o'clock service. This is an opportunity for you to sign up if you would like to get to know some more people here around the church, get connected, and just grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. You can sign up on the Church Center app. You have plenty of time to do so, and we hope that you consider taking this course because it will change your life. We are in need of some new Blue Team volunteers, and these are the people that are willing to help with our middle school students every single Wednesday night from six o'clock to 8 30. This is an incredible opportunity to pour into the next generation whether that's by praying with them or mentoring them or just putting them up on the spider jump or hanging out with them in the sports court. It is such a cool opportunity to get to know our youth and to be there for them because it's a hard season of life. If you're interested you can sign up on the church center app. We'll just do a short interview with you and a background check and then you're going to be good to go. If this is something that you feel like the Lord is asking you to do please obey, it will help change students' lives, but it will also change your life as well. For the last month or so, our elementary school students have been preparing a brand new worship Christmas song to perform for you guys, as well as a Christmas-themed memory verse. They have been so excited and working so hard, and we told them that today they would be sneaking in to Big Church and taking over in order to do this performance for you. Here they are, your second through fifth grade students performing a memory verse, and then after a brand new Christmas worship song. We hope that you enjoy the cuteness and help us get into the holiday season. Okay, ready, Kids Church? One, two, three. Isaiah 9, 6,
2: 4, 5.
3: Church, we are so glad that you snuck in and entertained us with your amazing song and Bible verse. If you are a parent or a grandparent, aunt or uncle, thank you so much for trusting us with your kids every single week in the West Building. We love having them and when we have them, we make sure that no matter what age they are, they are being prayed over, they are receiving the love of Jesus, we're teaching them about Jesus, we're teaching them Bible stories, they're memorizing scripture. In fact, this group of kids has literally memorized the names of all 66 books of the Bible in in order and can recite them. So these guys are really learning what it means to be Christ followers and we are so proud of them. Thank you boys and girls for coming and singing and sharing with us all that you have. You can kind of see some of the footage of the things that we do in Kids Church on a weekly basis with um, all of our second through fifth graders. But they say that being a parent is a full-time job And I'm just saying, I think it's more like an unpaid internship where you go to work and for every day, for the first three years, your boss just sort of throws his lunch on the ground at you after you bring it to him. Or maybe you offer him a drink and it's not in his favorite mug and so he's mad at you for the rest of the day. And if I were to be really honest and think about it, if parenting came with a job interview, I think maybe not as many of us would have accepted the position. So they sit down and they interview you and they say, yes, you are, you are an ideal candidate. We'd like to offer you the job of parenthood. And do you have any questions for us? And maybe I would say, yes, what what are the hours of this position? Yeah, constant, 24 seven, you will never have another second of free time in your entire life. Even nights and weekends, I'd say, yeah, especially nights like you might have to check under the bed for monsters, fetch snacks or glasses of water, nurse illnesses, both fake and real. You'll never know which one it is unless you're called upon to clean up the bodily fluids. Then it, then it will suddenly all become clear. And I go, well, what about like sick time? Do you get sick time? Depends, are you applying as the mother or the father? The mother? No. It's no sick time. What about, what about vacations? And they'd say, well, that's actually frowned upon. If you wish to take a vacation, you have to hire someone else and pay out of pocket for them to cover your shift. And I'd go, wow, this, you know, this maybe doesn't sound like the best deal, how much does this job actually pay? Nothing, in fact, you have to pay, if you accept this job, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's unclear until the end, and we're really looking for commitment from our candidates, so you, you can't quit, you, you have to hang in there at least 18 years, or you could go to jail, well, what do I get out of it, judged for asking that question, you get, you get judged. You get, you get love for 13 years. <laughs> you get love for 10 to 13 years and then you get bitterness and resentment for 5 to 10 more and then some love again and maybe if you're lucky you'll get grandchildren. And it's no secret that being a parent is hard, that there's a lot of work, and I don't think anyone is truly prepared to become a parent. I know that I didn't feel that way. But I can only imagine how hard it was for Mary and Joseph as they prepared for the arrival of Jesus on that first Christmas. And this morning we're going to take a look at the life of that last week right before the very first Christmas. We're going to look at how Jesus arrived and why, why he arrived that way. And we're going to really dig into that. And one question I want to tackle right off the bat is this. How do we know of all the babies ever born in human history, how do we know that, that Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph of Nazareth, was actually the baby the Savior of the world, that was that baby was God come down from heaven to, to restore a relationship between humanity and God. Like how do we even know that that's true? Because people have asked, could Jesus have maybe been like a con man? Like manipulated, maybe he knew the scriptures really well and he wanted to manipulate the masses into following and believing in him as the Messiah. And I think it's worth exploring that question. And so the first thing I would say is if Jesus was a con man, he was really bad at it. Because when he was born, all of humanity, all of the Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to be political, to be wealthy and to be a king and to establish his kingdom on the earth. And Jesus did the opposite. He he intentionally ran away when they tried to make him king. He rejected power and prestige and wealth. He, he had every opportunity, but he didn't take it. So if that was his goal, he came as a Messiah who ultimately would offer his life. So he was like the worst con man ever if he was. But if he was a con man, the conspiracy would have had to have been multi-generational. Because Jesus had to fulfill prophecies before he was even more than a couple years old. There were certain characteristics in the scriptures that the Messiah, to be the Messiah, had to meet. There were actually 300 specific things that the Messiah was required to do, and Jesus did all of them. But eight of them were things that he would have no control of over the age of two years old, and yet he fulfilled each one of those eight. So there was a mathematician, his name was Dr. Peter Stoner, and he did some very in-depth research on the mathematical probability of any one person in human history from the beginning of time until current day fulfilling just eight of the 300 prophecies pointing toward the Messiah, so just eight. And we find actually coincidentally that there are eight prophecies specifically that the Messiah would have had to fulfill that are, that are enfolded within the Christmas story. So let's take a look at some of those childhood prophecies that Jesus met. First of all, the Messiah would have to be a descendant of Abraham and then of Abraham's son Isaac and then Isaac's son Jacob and not any of their other sons or children. He would have to be a descendant of the tribe of Judah. He would have to be descended from King David. His mother must claim a virgin birth. He must be born in Bethlehem. The Magi must come from afar to worship him. He had to have spent time living in Egypt, and he must be born found in a manger, in wrapped in swaddling clothes, as predicted by a host of angelic beings. So, Dr. Peter Stoner found these prophecies and said, "I'm going to do the statistical work on determining." What is the mathematical likelihood of any random person meeting those? And he found that the, the likelihood was 1 in 10 to the 17th power, or 1 in 100 quadrillion. That's a 1 with 17 zeros. And that of just fulfilling 8, now Jesus three, fulfilled 300, but just those 8. And so that number is so huge, it kind of means nothing to us. So he took it one step further and he said to get a a 100 quadrillion silver dollars and then just spread them all out, mark one before you do it and spread them all out. It would cover the surface of the entire state of Texas, two feet deep. You stir up this mass of silver dollars, one marked silver dollar, and then you get a helicopter pilot to fly you and you can... Have him stop the helicopter any spot you choose, and then you blindfolded, pluck one silver dollar from anywhere in the state of Texas. And the chance of you plucking the pre-marked silver dollar is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, 1 in a 100 quadrillion. So, and that's just the probability of 8 of the prophecies being randomly fulfilled, and there are over 300 Prophecy, So we know that Jesus of Nazareth is indeed the son of God, he is the Messiah, he's, he's God come down from heaven to restore relationship between humanity and divinity. And so God the Father knew that Jesus would have to be born in the town of Bethlehem, that was one of the prophecies. But Jesus was already conceived in the womb of a poverty stricken virgin teenager named Mary who lived in Nazareth, 90 miles away from Bethlehem. And she was already eight months pregnant. And how is she going to get to Bethlehem in time for the birth and the prophecy to be fulfilled? And so God put it on the heart of the Roman emperor to demand a census. And that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. It says, at the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Nazareth, or Bethlehem in Judea. So there's two prophecies King David, descendant, Bethlehem, David's ancient home. He traveled there from a village in Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. You can just tell that a guy wrote that. I get it, the whole Bible is inspired by God and so the Holy Spirit led Luke to write it this way. But you can absolutely tell just by what skimmed over in this text that it was a guy. Joseph, Jesus' stepdad, was required by law and the full force of the Roman army enforcing that law to show up in Bethlehem and that's about the only thing that I can imagine getting a woman who's eight months pregnant to travel by donkey 90 miles through the mountains. Once in my third trimester, we had to take a trip to Denver and we rented an SUV. It was air-conditioned, it had reclining, seats that heated, and I had three blankets and two pillows and unlimited snacks and multiple bathroom stops and my husband barely escaped that trip with his life. <laughs> so I can't imagine what would have motivated Mary to ride a donkey through the mountains just weeks before she's set to deliver. And all the Bible says about it is that Joseph took Mary with him. That seems like it's missing a lot of details, in my opinion. Because the average length of time for that journey would be four to five days, if you could make it 20 miles a day. Which, as a woman who's been pregnant, I don't see it. Because you're jumping, you're jostling, you're sloshing, you're nauseous. You have no back support on that donkey whatsoever. And somehow the Bible just says he took with him Mary who he was engaged to who was expecting a child. And there are just some very important details missing like did they eat along the way and what did they eat? And how nauseous was she? And and how many arguments were there about the frequency of bathroom stops? Did he bring her a Was there pillows provided for her comfort? And how how did this whole event unfold? And how mad was she really at Joseph when the whole thing came to a conclusion? But no, none of my questions are addressed whatsoever in the text. It just goes on to verse 6 and it says, and while they were there, The time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The woman just gave birth to the Savior of the world. It's all summarized in one sentence. I want details. When did her water break? attended this birth because, no offense, Joseph is not exactly killing it in this story so far. How long was her labor? How much did the baby weigh? What? How long was the baby? What color hair did the baby have? What color eyes did the baby have? Was Mary okay after this birth? Was the baby born healthy? This is completely told by a man who does not know how to give an update after the baby is born. And I got to be honest, this is not how I would have done it. This is not how I would have written the story about the arrival of Jesus. And one of the things I get to do at fellowship is I plan a lot of events. Like um, retreats and conferences, camps for adults, for teenagers, for kids. I, I've done a lot of events in the last 20-some years. And it's really fun to organize all the pieces. And if it was my job to organize the arrival of the Son of God... I would have nailed that event. And I just am not sure that this story is the way that I would have done it. I imagine that Mary is in Nazareth. She's pregnant and the emperor has issued the decree and she's got to get with her husband, almost fiance, to Bethlehem 90 miles away. This is what I would have done. I would have said, okay, Mary, you're getting let out on your donkey and you're on the road, right? And everybody in Israel is is traveling because they all have to go to wherever their hometown is. So I would imagine the road would be very crowded and we're all kind of you know, like in a hurry, and we're all kind of crammed in, and as she's going, riding along on her donkey, it would be so easy for her to like just sort of get wedged in right next to like a wealthy woman in her carriage or her litter, you know, being carried by servants or something, and and maybe the curtain of this wealthy woman's carriage just flutters open, and there she sees poor Mary hunched over on the donkey with her baby, and she she calls out, as women do, and she says, how far along are you? And she says, I'm eight and a half months, and she goes, oh, Oh, good Lord, girl, please come up into my carriage. And then her servants would lift her onto a bed of pillows where Mary would ride the whole rest of the 89 miles to Bethlehem. The servants would fan her, she would receive lemonade, the women would get to talking. Joseph could haul that donkey just fine by himself all the way, right? And they made a friendship. And the woman would clearly say, once Mary's water broke somewhere toward the end of the journey, oh my, please come to my mansion and I will provide a midwife. And, and Joseph is invited too. And you can give birth to the Son of God or whatever in, you know, luxury and comfort. But God didn't plan it that way at all. And I'm just wondering why. Like, he, he didn't, he knew the plan. The Bible says in Revelation 13, 6 that from the beginning of the foundation of the world that God intended to send His Son, so He had plenty of time to plan something. He could have planned something even better than that, but He didn't. So did He lack the resources? Did He not have enough money to afford, you know, like a classier birth story? Of course not. He he has all the wealth in the universe, so he could afford anything, but still he chose this way for his son to make an entrance in the world. And I guess I'm just wondering, why? Like why, why why was that the plan? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why from Nazareth? Why Bethlehem? Why shepherds and why a manger? Like why all of those things? And we sing about it. We sing about it and we make it sound like all beautiful and poetic. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. (laughs) Really? So this baby doesn't cry, but the line I have most offense with is the cattle are lowing. This means there are cows in the delivery room. (laughs) And there are a lot of women in this room and we've given birth, but none of us probably as barbaric as Mary. And I'm just wondering why, because this is not a power move. This is not how you come into the world and, and impress People And it's certainly not how I would have imagined it being done. And we think a lot of times if someone's going to live a successful life, then they've got to have power and they've got to have position. But Jesus wasn't marked by any of that. Instead, his life was marked by humility and by weakness. Not that Jesus was weak because he always has been and always will be all powerful. But he was born into weakness. He, he chose it. He chose to clothe himself in humility. Philippians chapter 2 says, Your attitude should be the same as that was shown by Jesus Christ, who though he was God, he did not demand or cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to actually die A criminal's death on the cross. Yet it was because of all of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that was above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So why? Why in these humble circumstances? Why be born to an ordinary teenager like Mary? If you or I had received the task of like, look at all of the women in human history and and give me your top 100 candidates to fulfill this responsibility, I, I don't know if Mary would have, her resume would have caught my attention. But it caught God's. And then Joseph, like Joseph was chosen to be the stepdad of the son of God. And we don't even know that much about him. We know that he was a carpenter. We know that he was a good and honest man, that he loved God. And we know that he was poor. In fact, he was probably too poor to provide for his family in the way that he wishes that he could have. And the reason I say that is because when he took the baby Jesus to be dedicated to the Lord at the temple, which was required by Jewish law, on the eighth day he had to be circumcised. And so he brought Jesus to the temple and he was supposed to offer a sacrifice. A sacrificial lamb was supposed to be offered on Jesus' behalf, but Joseph couldn't afford the lamb. And I want to make sure we catch the irony of that. That Joseph couldn't afford the sacrificial lamb for the actual sacrificial lamb of God who would take away the sins of the whole world. And this is the entire point of Christ's coming, that we could not afford to pay the cost of the sacrifice. That we owed a debt of sin that was too great to be purchased or paid for on our own. And so God himself came down and he paid the price. The stain of my sin was too red and the weight of my guilt too heavy for me to carry on my own. So Christ came and paid it all. And that's the essence of the good news of Christmas, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son... That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Just this last week, I sat with a man in hospice care. And I sat at his bedside and I held his hands. And I had tears streaming down my face and he had tears streaming down his. And I shared with him again the good news of Jesus coming and what it meant. And the man had heard the story before But when I got to the end, I asked him, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Have you ever made him the Lord and leader of your life? And this man said no. And so we prayed together right then and there. And within a few days of that moment, that man went to sleep and he woke up in the arms of Jesus. And it's not like between the time he prayed that prayer and the time that he went to heaven that that he went on to do all these great and wondrous deeds to earn that. He literally just came to Jesus with who he was and gave himself to the Lord. And in doing so, the Lord gave him everything that he needed. And I think it's so important because we, we want to come in strength, but in the reality we have to be like Jesus and we have to come in weakness because weakness welcomes the power of God. That was true back then on the first Christmas, and it's true even now that Jesus came for weak and broken people. And so when we step back and we look at the story and we think, but that's not how I would have done it. It doesn't, but God did it that way to put his power on display. Imagine if Jesus had been born into a royal family. Then when he grew up and accomplished all the things he would have accomplished, people would have said, yes, that's what political power and connections can do. And if Jesus had been born into a wealthy family, then when he accomplished all the things, then people would have looked at that and said, yes, that's what wealth can accomplish. And if Jesus had been born into an educated family, then people would have looked at that and said, yes, that's that's the doors that education can open for us. But instead, Jesus was born into ordinary. And when people saw all that he accomplished, they they stepped back and they said, that's what only God can do. And, And in that way, that weakness allowed God to receive all of the glory and all of the credit. And Jesus allowed weakness in his own life story. And his own life is riddled with various struggles. And he could have stopped that could have made his own birth story classier. He could have made his own upbringing easier. But instead, he allowed struggle and, and hardship to be a part of his story. And he allows that in ours as well. He allows that struggle because when we experience weakness, it actually draws us into him. Hebrews 4 says, this high priest of ours, meaning Jesus understands our weakness for he faced all the same testings as we do yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious god there we will receive mercy and we will find strength to help us when we need it the most and so if we skip forward a few pages from our main text in luke 2 we encounter the apostle paul the apostle paul was born into wealth Born into position and given the best of education. And yet when Paul found Jesus to be the Messiah that they had long been waiting for, he he left behind position, power, wealth, and education. He forsook them to have Christ and to lay hold of Christ. And we see that Paul's wrestling with this idea of struggle and he's asking God in prayer, like, remove this struggle from me. Take this away. And in 2 Corinthians, God answers Paul. He says, but I am with you. That's all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Another translation, the next verse, it says, for when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong. Truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. And maybe this Christmas you feel like you don't have enough. Like not enough time, enough energy, enough health. Maybe not enough strength, enough hope, enough money. But maybe there's something in your life and you just look at it and you're like, I don't have enough. And Jesus shows up in our weakness to be enough. And we become enough when we allow Christ to have access into our hearts. And into our weakness, His presence comes and brings the strength. But we have to accept that and we have to allow Him to be born and make room for that birth in our hearts. Luke 2 verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angels reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth with with those with whom God is pleased. When the angels returned to heaven the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And there would be a lot of people that would attend the birth of Jesus. And there would be a lot of gift giving in the years to come. We know the Magi come and they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. We know the shepherds come and they show up at the stable and they bring their presents. But of all the people in the Christmas story, the ones who knew Jesus the best were the angels. They had been attending to Jesus in heaven before he was born for all eternity. They knew him, they knew what he would want. And when they, they brought a gift, and I can think of a lot of gifts that maybe could have or should have been given, like a receiving blanket to replace the hay, or a bassinet to take the place of, of the manger. But they they didn't bring those things. The angels who knew them best, they brought worship. They sang and they glorified God in the highest. And that was what they thought was the most essential gift when announcing the coming of the Christ. And I know that in the next few days and this week, there's gonna be a lot of gift giving and receiving and hustle and stress and crazy. But if we could just take a moment as a church family, to do what the angels did and worship Him. So if you would stand to your feet and we're gonna sing this and worship Jesus together. bless you this Christmas. May you make room in your heart for Jesus to be born. May you make space in your celebration for God to show up. Christmas Eve services are Saturday at 1 and 3. Please join us and everyone have a very Merry Christmas.
4: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.